0: If you have your Bible before you this morning, we're turning to the book of Joshua again. We were there last Sunday morning, and we feel led of the Lord to return there today again. Joshua chapter 3, please. And we're going to read a few verses together, not only in chapter 3, but in chapter 4. And we're sure the Lord is going to speak to our hearts again uh, this morning. Just a quick prayer before we read. Father, we bow before Thee again. And we thank you for what has happened thus far in our gathering. And Lord, we come to your word today, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that this book before us this morning is the precious word of God. And Father, we read in the word of God that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And Lord, we pray this morning that the Spirit of the Lord will come with that illuminating power and reveal to us and speak to us from the Scriptures. And so, Lord, we pray that you will give us ears to hear. We have to think of all of the voices that we have heard in the last week. We think of all of the things that we have heard, even in the last number of days. And yet to think that we have come this morning just to hear from God. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you will settle us in your presence. We pray against every distraction in Jesus' name. And we pray, O God, for that deep, conscious sense of thy presence. And Lord, I pray that you will take this vessel, body, soul and spirit, and I pray for that fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and that oil from heaven, that your word will go forth with weight and power. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Joshua, chapter one, Joshua, chapter three, please, and verse one. And Joshua arose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and his priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hither, to And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Verse 14. And it came to pass when the people removed their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, And as they that bear the ark were come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan overflowed her banks at the time of harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap, very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea, that's the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea or the Sea of the Plain, even onto the Salt Sea, they fell and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. Chapter 4, please, and verse number 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared, of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, "'Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God "'in the midst of the Jordan, "'and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder.' carrying according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, this that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in a time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, And these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Last Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the new year, we thought about the theme of a new beginning. And I'm sure every believer that was there and every believer that is here, as we look back over the last 365 days, As we look back over the last 12 months that have gone, every one of us, I'm sure, would long for a new beginning. The children of Israel came from the wilderness. Forty years they had wandered. Forty years they had tasted of the manna. Forty years they had saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. Forty years they enjoyed the water from the rock. But now was the time to enter into the blessing of God. We saw last Sunday morning that there's always a timing in God's will. And Joshua heard from the word of the Lord, Now therefore arise. The time had come for them to possess their possessions. And my dear people, you and I are just the same today. You and I, just like the children of Israel so many years ago, so many of us have never entered in to the blessing of full salvation. So many of us, we still are just enjoying the trickles and we are enjoying the drops here and there whenever heaven is full. And the time came in the life of the children of Israel that they were to arise and go over the Jordan. We saw that last Sunday morning, the Jordan was an obstacle to blessing. It was a barrier in the life of the people of God, a hindrance, as it were, that hindered them from possessing what God wanted them to possess. We saw that there was two things that they needed. And there are two things that you and I need in this year, if you and I are going to cross over for God and enter into the blessing. They needed new obedience. And they needed new dedication. And sometime you get your Bible, you read through Joshua chapter 1. And I tell you, it'll bless your heart that the people of God, they rallied. They discovered that there had to be more than the wilderness journey. And my dear people, I want to impress upon your heart today that there's far more than just being saved. There's far more than just coming to meetings. And I'm so glad to see you here. I can't say that enough. But I want to say today that there's so much more that God has for you and I in this year. I want to talk to you today about not two things that they needed. I want to talk to you, if time permits, about two things that they did. Because what we need and what we do are two drastically different things. Someone prayed in the prayer meeting this morning, Lord, Lord, May we not just be hearers only, but doers also. You see, there's the need, and then there's the action. The first thing I want to talk about today is the ark that they followed, and secondly, the memorial that they made. Now, we read together in this chapter of Joshua, chapter 3, that Joshua rose early in the morning, And he came to the people of God and they, they went and they came from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. They're making their way toward the barrier. They're making their way along the wilderness journey and they're coming to the obstacle. Indeed, it was the greatest obstacle in their life. And you and I along the Jordan river banks, we have those experiences time and time again. When we come to obstacle after obstacle, barrier after barrier. For three days they had to camp beside the Jordan. Three days they had to stand and they had to watch the, burnt, the, the burst banks of the Jordan. They had to watch the raging torrents passing them by. I want to ask you a question this morning. Why did they do that? Well, there's two reasons that the Lord led in my heart that they had to watch the river Jordan for three days. First of all, they had to wait on God's time. And every one of us, you know, at times we can seek to go forward, but we have to be in God's time. And our brother Bertie has said from this pulpit, and he has so often he has said to me Be not like the horse that always wants to run ahead, and be not like the mule that always wants to lag behind, but that you and I would be in step with God, that we would know God's time. The Bible says there's a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to sow. There's a time to reap, there's a time to get, and there's a time to give. And if I could give you one prayer this year, among many prayers, that you and I ought to pray is, Lord, I want to be in the right place at the right time. But not only were they waiting at the Jordan for three days because of God's timing, they waited for three days because God wanted to teach them a lesson. I'm sure the children of Israel, as they came to the banks of the Jordan, and they seen this obstacle that they knew was there, and this barrier to blessing that they knew they had to face, I'm sure there was maybe a group of men and they got together and they said, how are we going to cross this? They thought maybe about bypassing it. They thought maybe about blocking it. They thought maybe even about bridging it. And after three days, they came to this conclusion that you and I can't do it alone. For three days, they had to stand at the banks of the Jordan and they had to learn their own helplessness their own inability you and i as the people of god that's one of the greatest discoveries that we can make the bible says that they that are in the flesh cannot please god and so many of god's people they're trying to be christians and i've been trying to teach the young people on a friday night that you cannot make yourself a christian and so many of us we try to read maybe four or five chapters a day We try to read or pray so many hours in order to make ourselves Christians. My dear people, you can't do that. You can only do that and you can only read your Bible and you can only pray whenever the Spirit of God is in it. The Bible talks about praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about there that the Lord Jesus said that without me ye can do nothing. And you and I, we can try to make a formula for the Christian life and you and I can set perimeters and we can try to follow other men and women, but none of that will make you a Christian. Now I'm all for reading and praying and I'm going to stretch myself this year to read and pray like never before. But what I'm saying this morning is the basis of all of that, it has to be done in the Spirit. It has to be done through His power. It has to be done through His enablement. It has to be done through the Spirit's help. I wonder this morning, is your experience the experience of Romans 7? Paul, that man, he talks about in Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I just can't do them. And the things that I thought I would never do, I just can't stop doing them. And then he cried, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? The next verse gives the answer. It says, thanks be unto God that through Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is able to enable us, the one who is able to help us, the one that is able to take over. You see, the Lord Jesus, my dear people, he wants to live inside of you and me. He doesn't just want to help us. He wants to come inside of us. He wants to come and live his life through you and I. Have you ever prayed like I have prayed, Lord, change me? Lord, I want you to change this area in my life. I want you to change this habit. I want you to change this temper. I want you to change these lustful thoughts. And you pray, Lord, will you change me? Well, I have stopped praying that. Because the Lord Jesus doesn't want to change Stephen Riddle. What the Lord Jesus wants to do with me is crucify me. And what he wants to do is not change me. He wants to exchange me. He wants me to get out of the way that he can come in. And my dear people, this morning, wherever you may be, and as you stand at the banks of the Jordan, you've maybe been standing there for year after year, and you want to enter into the blessing of God, and you're trying, and you're scheming, and you're planning, and you make resolutions, and you say, I'll pray more, I'll read more, I'll go to church more, but it never works, it never happens, you never go through, because you and I cannot do it. That's one of the greatest revelations that I have enjoyed in the last year. God wants me to die that he may come. And if I could encourage you to do anything this year is to discover your own inability, to discover that you and I are absolutely useless and helpless in the presence of God. You say, Stephen, are you telling me that Jesus Christ thinks I am useless? Absolutely. Whenever you and I got saved, he took our sins away as far as the east is from the west. Whenever you and I got saved, we come into that relationship with him. The first thing that he said was, go to the cross and die. The biggest hindrance in all of our lives is not the world. The biggest hindrance in all of our Christian lives is not the government. The biggest hindrance in all of our lives is ourselves. And whenever you and I get that moment in our life and you say, Lord, you don't want to help me. You want to remove me. Lord, you don't want to change me. You want to exchange me. You, Lord, don't want to refine my desires. You want to take my desires out of the way and you want to give me your desires. Have you ever got to that place? Have you ever got to the place where you said, Lord, I own my death on the cross of Calvary with the Lord Jesus Christ almost 2,000 years ago? Stephen Riddle is no longer alive. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. That's a wonderful moment. It's a wonderful moment to let go of your life and say, Lord, it's not my will, not my desires. I'm crossing the Jordan, not in my own ability, not in my own strength, not in my own wisdom, but I'm crossing it in the power and enablement of the Spirit of God. When the children of Israel came to the banks of the Jordan, and the priests, they came and they carried the Ark of the Covenant, the moment that the priests put their feet into the water, we read it, read it later on when you go home, the moment that they came carrying the Ark, and the moment that the priests put their foot into the water, God intervened. And all the children of Israel had to do was to go after the ark. You cast your eye to the last few words of verse 3. It says, go after it. Go after it. In the Greek, it just simply means follow it. To follow the ark. Where the ark was going to go, they had to go. Whenever the ark stopped, they had to stop. Whenever the ark was going to move, they had to move. And their brother Bertie hit the mark so well. Whenever he called out at him, Where he will lead me, I will go. For I have learned to trust him so. We sang about the shepherd this morning. We sang about the one that goes before. That has to be the desire and the ambition of every believer. is just to follow, to follow the presence of God. The ark was the most important thing that the children of Israel had. The ark of the covenant was that piece of furniture that represented the presence of God. It was there where the Shekinah glory dwelt. It was there where the high priest on the day of atonement, he came behind the veil with the blood, and there was the physical, tangible presence of God. There the presence of the Lord dwelt among his people. And whenever the ark of the Lord was to move, the people of God had to move with it to be in the right place at the right time. I wonder even as we look back over our life, have we been in the wrong place at the wrong time? But the will of God, I can tell you, is specific. To be in the right place, Lord, where do you want me to be? And just get into that place to get into the gap and to fulfill God's purpose for your life. I haven't got time this morning, and I would love to do it, for the sake of the young people here, to talk to you about the three arks in the Bible. Because every one of them are, is a, are a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus. Every one of them show to us something different about that wonderful person that I trust has won all of our hearts. You'll remember in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah had to build the ark It was the ark of safety and salvation from judgment. There was rooms in the ark. And my dear unsaved people in the meeting this morning, what a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus, because while you may not have any room for him, he has room for you. There was a door in the ark. And the Lord Jesus said, I am the door. And there's something wonderful about that door because there came a moment in time when God shut the door. And there's some young people here this morning and you're not saved and you know the message of the gospel so well. And you know that God has been speaking to you and you know the world can't satisfy. And you always know about the door of salvation. But let me tell you this, God could shut the door before this day is over. God's not obligated to keep the door open on you. It says that the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah and there came a day 120 years after Noah began to work at the ark whenever God shut the door. I think he shut it with a bang. I think the noise of that door closing reverberated around the community when men and women discovered that the opportunity of salvation was over and that's going to happen. It may happen to some people in the meeting today. And there may be a time in your life and you say, oh, I would love to get saved. But the Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call upon him. While he is near. Today, not tomorrow. Today will finish tonight at 11, 11, 59. And then one second over and Sunday will be gone today. You've only a few more hours of today. Today, if you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. And then, of course, there's another ark in the Bible. Almost 900 years later, it was an ark that was made by two parents. One of them was the name of Amram, and the other was Jochebed. In Exodus chapter 2, whenever down in Egypt and down in the slave market there, and whenever Pharaoh rose up and was going to kill all of the young boys in Egypt, there was two parents that trusted God they made a little ark of bulrushes they pitched it with tar and they put a little lid on it and it's a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus because the, the reeds the bul, bulrushes the reeds they they kept them up and thank God for the everlasting arms underneath and round about they keep us up and while he was on the Nile he wasn't in the Nile and the Lord Jesus Christ says we're in the world but we're not of the world and then he went out into the water and I can see the parents they come to the side of the of the Nile with their little ark and that lovely little boy it says that he was a goodly child it really means he was no ordinary child God had his hand on him from the day that he was born and they came to the Nile the, the river of death and they came with their beloved boy and they came with the little ark of bulrushes and, and pitch and tar and the little lid and they, they pushed it out into the Nile and they they trusted God some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire. Oh, bless God, but all through the blood. And the children of Israel, and I'm sure his two parents, if they had a the verse many years later penned by Isaiah, he could have said, as they watched the little ark going out into the Nile, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe this year just hasn't started the way that you thought it was going to start. Maybe you've went through the last number of months, and I know there's individuals here, and they had the worst Christmas that they ever had. And maybe that's you. And no one else knows anything about it, and past the festivities and past the busyness the of church life, you're so glad just to get it all behind, and it just hasn't started the way that you wanted it to start. And you're going through the waters, the trials and the storms. And way back in Ezekiel 47, three times the prophet said this, he brought me through the water. Annie Johnson Flinton, I've quoted her many times before. She had rheumatoid arthritis, she had cancer in her stomach. She couldn't sleep, she had eight pillows in her bed just to take the pain away. And Annie Johnson Flint wrote some of the most wonderful poems that you will ever read. I want to read one of them to you just now, and this is written and penned by a woman who was crippled on a deathbed for years. She said, When thou passest through the waters, deep the waves may be in cold, but Jehovah is a refuge and his promises will hold. For the Lord himself has said it, He the faithful God and true, when thou passest through the waters, thou shalt not go down but through. Hallelujah. Seas and sorrows, seas of trials, bitterest anguish, fiercest pain, rolling surges of temptation, sweeping over my mind and brain, they shall never overflow us. For we know his word is true, all his waves and all his billows. He will lead us safely through, threatening breakers of destruction, doubtless seek to overthrow, shall not sink us, shall not drag us, out to ocean depths of woe, for his promise shall sustain us. Praise the Lord whose word is true, who sh- we shall not go down or under, For he saith, thou passest through. I tell you, my dear people, this morning, if you're saved, and you're in the ark, and you're in the ark of salvation from judgment, that moment that you get saved and put under the cleansing power of Christ's precious blood, you and I were put into the ark of safety from danger. I can tell you, Moses was safe in the ark, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast. And then there's this ark that the children of Israel had to follow. This ark as they stood at the banks of the Jordan. This ark that was carried by the priests. And the moment they came to the cold, chilly waters of the Jordan, the moment that they put their foot down into the water, God intervened. And the water stood up in a heap. It went back as far as the city of Adam, my, all oh, the water that was the obstacle, the blessing, the barrier, the thing that was hindering them from going through while they couldn't bypass it, they couldn't bury it, and they couldn't bridge it, God stopped it. Would you like God to do that for you? Do you believe God can do that for you? Well, I love that little chorus. We often sing it on a Wednesday night, and you miss it if you're not there. Jesus. The same yesterday, today and forever. And here the children of Israel they came and they watched the ark, the presence of God. That picture of the Lord Jesus I haven't got time to go into today. It was made of shit and wood, it speaks of his incorruptible humanity. The Lord Jesus Christ who was holy, harmless, undefiled, he was the perfect man. Overlaid with gold speaks of his deity. Inside it was the manna, speaks of his sufficiency. Inside it was the rod that arms, rod that butted, speaks of his ministry. There was the tables of stone, the law, the unbroken law, speaks of his purity. And they had to step over and all they had to do was follow the ark. You and I are not called to follow a box today. You and I are not told to follow priests. We're not told to follow the ark of the covenant. But we are told to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I have one question for you today, and I would love to ask every one of you individually. Are you following Him today? Are you in step with Him today? I'm not asking you, did you follow Him? I'm not asking you, will you follow Him? I'm asking you today, as a believer, as a child of God, saved and redeemed and inside the ark, are you following Him today? Are you in the right place at the right time? Are you in the center of his blessed will? Are you just going where he goes? Are you going to stop whenever he stops? Because you and I as the people of God, we're not told to follow organizations. We're not told to follow even denominations. We're not told to follow politicians. We're not told to follow men. We're not told to follow, oh, I could go on and on and on, but we are told to follow one person, and that is the person of the Lord Jesus. Are you following him now? I'm not asking, are you a theologian? I'm not asking, you you praying 10 hours a day? I'm not asking you anything really hyper-spiritual. I'm just asking, are you following him today? Are you walking beside him? Whenever he moves, do you move. Where he will lead me, I will go. For I have learned to trust him so. For 40 years in the life of the children of Israel, from Numbers chapter 14 to Joshua chapter 3, they never followed the ark. For 40 years they went their own way. For 40 years they stopped and started whenever they wanted to. They did and they went wherever they desired. For 40 long years, I want to remind you, dear people, this morning that you and I were not our own. We're bought with a price. I was reading the book of Watchman Knee recently. And he was saying in one of his chapters about one of his friends that was on a train. And on the train carriage with his friend went in, there was men and they were playing cards. And they said over to Watchman Knee, they fired the little card over to him and said, you'll come into the game. And he says, no, I can't. And one of the men said laughingly, why not? He says, I didn't bring my hands with me today. He says, you've got your hands on. He says, I know they have, but they're not mine. They're the Lord's hands. He says, I didn't bring my eyes with me today. They're not my eyes, they're his eyes. And whenever you and I get into our perspective on this year, that you and I are not our own, and most of the time we live like we are, Most of the time we have our desires and our ambitions and our our longings and our aspirations. But whenever you get to the place and I say, Lord, it's no longer I. They're not my hands, Lord. They're your hands. They're not my eyes, Lord. They're They're your eyes. This tongue between my lips is not my tongue, Lord. It's your tongue. Lord, these feet that keep me up are not my feet. I'm going to make them your feet. And I just want to simply walk where you tell me to go. That's a wonderful place to be. You'll remember in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus, as he started his ministry, he walked by the Sea of Galilee. And in Matthew chapter 4, it says, as he walked, he, he saw two men in a boat. One of them was Peter, and the other was Andrew. It says that they were casting the net. And as they were casting that net, the Lord Jesus walked by them. And I don't think they ever seen them before. And the Lord Jesus just turned to the two men and he said, follow me. That's all he said. And it says of Peter and Andrew that straightway they left their nets and followed him. Then he went on and he found James and John and they were mending their nets. And he just said two words to them. He didn't preach to them. He didn't give them an exposition. He just said, follow me. And it says immediately, they left their father's nets and boats and followed him. And then on down through Matthew's gospel, there was Matthew himself. He was sitting at the tax the collector's desk. And I'm sure he was busy with the figures. And then came the blessed son of God. And he just turned to Matthew and he said, follow me. And it says that he arose and followed him in the way. I want to ask you today, are you following him like that? Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus everywhere, anywhere. I will follow all. That word follow there is the word not to walk behind. Whenever Charlotte and me go out for a walk, she has a quicker pace than me. I'm looking around me and talking to myself. And next thing I notice, she's away. And I have to come behind. I'm following behind, but that's not what this word means. This word means to walk beside, to be in the same place, and be at the same pace. Just to walk day by day at the Master's side. And one of the evidences of men and women being saved is not that we go to church. Wonderful thing to do. But the Lord Jesus said, My sheep, they follow me. And if you're not following him today, you need to put a big massive question mark over your Christian life. If you don't have any desire to follow him, if you don't really have any longing to follow him, put a big massive question mark over your Christian life. Because he said, my sheep, they will follow me. It says in the book of Revelation chapter 14, these are they that follow the Lamb, whithersoever they goeth. I just want to labour in that point as I close. I'm not going to touch the memorial this morning. Because there's not only the call to follow, there's the cost to follow. And if you're going to really go through with God in 2023, if you really mean business with God, and I know some of you maybe won't, but I'm praying that there's a majority of people here this morning and we see you in the prayer meeting and there's a lovely band of people here that have a real desire to go on with God. It's to you I want to speak. Because there's a cost. Whenever David sinned against God, he said on the threshing floor, the very place where, where, where the temple was built, the very place where the Muslims have their mosque today, the very place where Abraham offered Isaac, he said, I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. And it will cost you everything that you have to follow Jesus. It will cost you your future, it'll cost you your money, it'll cost you your time, it'll cost you your reputation, it may even cost you your life, but there's a cost. And one day the multitude was following the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus just stopped. He wasn't even talking about the call of God. He just stopped and he turned around, and this is, this is what he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. And follow me, for he that shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall gain it. For what shall it profit a man? If he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. And I know we preach it to the unsaved. But the Lord Jesus turned around to the very people that were following him. And he says you need to die in order to live. It's wonderful that... Out of all the feasts and out of all of the great days in Israel's history, every one of them had a date. Every one of them that you can look at the calendar and you say, that's the Passover day. You can look at it and you can say, well, that's the day of atonement. But there was one day in the life of Israel's history, there was one specific day that didn't have a date. You know what it was? It was Pentecost. Pentecost. The only way to find the day of Pentecost was to work back from the cross. You have to get to the cross before you can have a Pentecost. And if you and I are ever going to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and be available and usable for God in this year, we'll have to get to the cross before we have our Pentecost. We have to die. We have to put it all before Him. And I know there's a wonderful cause. I was singing it this morning. I would love you to sing it with me. I can hear the Savior calling. I can hear the Savior calling. I can hear the Savior calling. Take thy cross, Mother, take it. And follow. Follow me. Where He leads me, I will follow where he leads me i will follow where he leads me i will follow i'll go with him with him all the way the next verse it says he'll give me grace to follow he'll give me grace to follow Oh, bless God, he'll give me grace to follow and he'll go with me. He'll go with me all of the way. You remember he stood at the days of the Lord Jesus. He stood and there was a young man knelt at his feet. He was a rich young ruler and the Lord Jesus said to him, follow me, son, follow me now. But it says the rich young ruler went away. He went away. There's not only the call to follow and the cost to follow, there's a choice. Because you and I have the choice and God won't violate our will. He'll not break in on our life. He's not like a burglar. He will, he's the gentleman, the perfect gentleman. And you and I, what we need to do is just open up our life. Just open up every area of our life, every avenue and say, Yes, Lord, I haven't long to live. I, I haven't got really anything in my life worth dying for, but I want to live the rest of my life for you. And I'm opening up my life and I'm making myself available to God. I'm giving my life completely over to you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you wherever you want me to go. Whatever that means, wherever you want to take me, whatever Jordan you want me to cross, I'm willing to go there, Lord, because you will be with me. And then you begin to walk with the Lord. And Paul said, let us lay aside every way. And the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty and high. All we need to do is follow. You say, Stephen, is there any secret to Christian living? No, there's no secret. Just Follow. And it says of Caleb, that man, six times in the Bible, more than any other person, it says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. You remember Peter. Just give me your attention now, and you've been listening so well. God is here today. He's speaking to some of your hearts. He's just stopped you along the busy road of life, and he's speaking to you now. Do you remember Peter? My, there was that day that we mentioned he left the boats, and He left the nets and he said to the Lord Jesus in Mark 10, he said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. And then there was a day in Peter's life when he followed afar off. He he no longer was in the right place. He no longer was at the right pace. The one that he used to walk with so often was away ahead of him. He, He followed afar off. And then for three days in his life, he didn't follow at all. After he denied the Lord, he went out and he, it says that he wept bitterly. And whenever the angel came to the woman at the tomb, they said, go and call his disciples and Peter. He wasn't following now. And Peter went back to the boat. He was disillusioned. He was defeated. He was discouraged. And maybe that's just where you are today, if truth be told. And he went back out to the boat and he got his nets that he left so many years ago. And he went the whole night and he caught nothing. And the morning came, there was a man on the shore. There was a little fire there, a, a few fish in the fire. And, and John said, it's the Lord. And Peter couldn't wait. He, he just jumped overboard and swam to shore. He came again to the one that he loved. And the Lord Jesus took him on his own. I would love to have been there. Out of all of the scenes in the Bible, there's many of them, but I would love to have been there that day. The disciples, they gathered around the fire, and they, they began to eat the fish. And I think the Lord said to Peter, come you with me a wee minute. He walked along the shore and he turned to Peter and says, Do you really love me more than these, Peter? Oh, Lord, thou knowest. Feed my sheep. And then they walked on a little bit together and then he turned again and he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And then they went on a little bit more and the Lord turned again and he says, Peter, do you really love me? Do you really want to be with me, Peter? He says, Yea, Lord, I knowest that I love. Feed my sheep. And then he turned to Peter and he looked into his eyes and you he said? Just two words. Follow me. And Peter, the impetuous man that he was, he looked around and it says he saw John following. And he turned to the Lord Jesus and he said, Lord, what, what shall that man do? What shall he do? And the Lord Jesus said, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And that's the word to God, from God to some of your hearts today. You'll need to start to follow now. It's been a long day since you've been out of sight. It's been a long time since you heard the tender footprint of his feet in the sand. You can just about see him. He's away at a way ahead. He's away at a way you're, you're lagging behind today. And he would turn to you, dear mother, dear father, son or daughter, come on, follow me now, come back, come on back. And whenever Peter was dying, you know what he said? He got his pen and he said a lovely phrase. He said, you ought to follow in his steps. He knew what it was to stop following. You said to me, Stephen, where will he take me? I don't know where he'll take you. You say to me, Stephen, but, but I'm not really sure what's ahead. I, I don't know what to do here. Stephen, can you tell me some of the places where the Lord Jesus may take me? I can. He may take you to Gethsemane. He might bring you into the olive press of life, and the pressures of life will be so heavy upon you. And down in the olive press you'll cry, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And he'll put the pressure on your life until he squeezes every of, grain of praise and worship out of you. He could take you to the mountain top where he'll reveal himself like the mountain of transfiguration where you see a manifestation of his glory where you walk with him and he reveals himself to you in a way that he hasn't revealed himself to you yet. He could take you over the Sea of Galilee. It says his disciples got into the boat and they followed him. And the next verse it says in Matthew's Gospel and then a great storm arose and sometimes he leads us out into the storms of life. But with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. It was because those three Hebrew boys followed the Lord that they went into the fire. It was because Daniel followed him, he went into the pit. It was because Joseph followed him, his brothers hated him. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you were to resolve in your heart today, Lord, I am going to follow you, follow all, yes, all the way, Lord. I'm not going to do it today. But if I was to ask you to stand to your feet, those of you that are not following, who would stand? Would you have to stand? If I was to ask you this morning, you that are following afar off, would you have to stand to your feet? And your business and your work has got in and all of the commitments of life and he's gone on ahead. Would you have to stand and say, Lord, Today, on this second Sunday of another year, I want to step out and follow the Lord. The children of Israel did that. They followed the ark across the Jordan. They didn't even get their feet wet. And whenever they entered into the promised land, they had new blessings, new victories, new joy. A new inheritance. And they could stand at the banks of the Jordan and say, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Would you like to be a new you? We're going to stand to our feet and sing with that thought in our mind. And you've listened so well. 455, where he will lead me I will go, for I have learned to trust him so, and I remember it was for me That he was slain on Calvary. And we're going to just take time to sing it this morning. We're going to think of the one that went into the waters of the Jordan for you and I. And I'm glad he didn't turn back from the track. I'm glad that he went on and done the Father's will. But this ought to be your prayer this morning. Verse 2, it says, Oh, I delight in his commands. Love to be led by his dear hands. His divine will is sweet to me hallowed by bloodstained Calvary. My dear people, if you're swayed in the balance this morning and you say, Stephen, I don't really want to follow him, I'll point you to the cross. And there the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, he gave his life for you and me. He gave all that he had, and all he wants you and I to do is follow. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want us to really make this the desire of our heart. And then after the singing of this hymn, we're just going to have a short prayer and then those that are not staying for the table you make your way way on out. Thank you.